Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here. What you are about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. Welcome back. This is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for September 15 to 21st, 2021. The mood of this week is growing ever more cosmic, mystical, and oceanic with a full moon in Pisces building. The Piscean inheritance, so the, the deeper promise of Pisces, is one of pure bliss, the delight of the mystic, the total approval of life. As beautiful as that sounds, the mystic has many changing emotions and is prone to feeling the entire range of human experience grief, rage, sorrow, and ecstasy alike. Pisces connects us to our porousness with all that is. Pisces includes the wisdom of overcoming unnecessary suffering or knowing how to create necessary psychic boundaries in the midst of the ocean of every possible experience or feeling. And yet the full range of true experience, that which is ours to process and feel, is an ego dissolving and universe opening medicine. So Pisces is, you know, deep, deep in the feelings can get quite overwhelmed with the, the largeness, the oceanicness of everything. Um, but as we give space and feel the beauty and feel the ceremony in that it can become ecstatic or pleasurable to be that sensitive. While the moon is growing in fullness, Venus in Scorpio will square Saturn in Aquarius. The square in general is a stressful aspect, signifying tension and dynamism. The quality of this square between Venus and Saturn may correlate with conflicts related to intimacy and relationship, self-esteem, so our intimacy with ourselves, values and value judgments. And the way that these conflicts come up in our field may feel historic, like we're, um, we're really in it. These are patterns that we've just been working through for our whole lives, perhaps. In, um, in the psychological uh, visions of Stanislav Grof, he talks about systems of condensed experience, coex systems. So it's like uh, there's chords in our consciousness, like a whole musical chord where every time that we feel safe and protected, you know, it echoes back to our entire memory stream of every time we felt safe and protected, times we were cradled as a baby, you know, versus when we felt alone and cold out in the world. Um, and we think about the time that, you know, someone forgot about us or, um, you know, a, a deeper sense of isolation over an extended period of time. Like we have these whole, uh, courts. And so 
when you are feeling, say, rejected uh, by another person, you're not just feeling that moment of rejection. You can be feeling that whole cord reverberating within you of what that rejection is really hitting on and all the memories that that's stirring up. You know, another way that we talk about that is trauma. Um, but seeing it, you know, whether it's um, debilitating or it's more just like, I'm in the soup right now of my feelings, or I can see how this one, you know, pointed sticky experience is reminding me of, you know, thousands of other times I've felt this way. And when we can see it as part of that cord, we can see that, um, there's a story that we've been living. And of course the immensity or the ancientness or the largeness of those stories can feel, um, overwhelming at times, or it feels like, Oh, I've always been this way, you know, could it change? Um, but that's some of the deep, deeper stuff that we're working with at a karmic level in this lifetime are those, those patterns that are coming to a head and where we are, um, exhausting those patterns and changing the story and making adjustments and changing our, our karma, so to say. So just the capacity, you know, recognizing our patterns is a form of self-awareness and psychological maturity that is deeply valuable on a personal development or spiritual path. This is an accomplishment in of itself to recognize a pattern. And the story of how these patterns transform is the drama we are living out, right? So think about any kind of um, hero's journey tale and that sense of, uh, the inheritance, my life has always been this certain way, but I aspire to have this other result and what it means to kind of go against the grain of the inertia of that story that's already in motion to have a different experience. Um, so someone, for example, who maybe grew up in a tumultuous home, didn't have a lot of positive examples of relationship, went through some abusive relationships, but really deeply in their heart wants like a fulfilling relationship. Um, there's that, you know, swamp, there's that inertia of that. And then the promise of something else or say scarcity, you know, someone who's uh, always had money struggles, grew up in a family with money struggles, but wants to, uh, move past that ceiling of that like upper limit of how much uh, abundance they can have. And so what does it mean to overcome or kind of transmute or transform that collected dense history of scarcity patterns? Part of, you know, recognizing patterns is seeing that it's a paradigm. It's a story uh, and it is something that we've lived inside of. We've maybe built an identity inside of. We have habits that relate to that. And so as we become aware of that, we also can start to build uh, a bridge to a different way of being or dream of something else. Should we like to change those particular patterns? Uh, but also understanding, you know, in this work of being aware of the deeper kind of just like, like fixed science, like we're in it kind of things. Um, there's a humility in that too. And it doesn't just, you know, these ancient patterns don't really change overnight. Like we're in this kind of unlayering unraveling process. Um, and we have our, our lifetimes to work with some of those deeper kind of core patterns that, you know, we're, we're in. So this week uh, feels like it has some kind of 
breakthrough energy around those patterns, whether, um, it's like, here we are again, and we're being confronted with that pattern, um, or there's a sense of it changing. So the full moon, on the other hand, in Pisces, we have the sun in Virgo, moon in Pisces, it's mutable in quality though, which relates to change. And the moon in Pisces will also be conjunct Neptune at this full moon. And this signifies dissolution, dissolving. We may be increasingly lucid this week about the ways our particular patterns, such as in intimacy or how we relate to work um, or money, how these patterns um, show up in every area of our lives and not just the place that it is the loudest. In this heightened state of lucidity and awareness, and in this heightened state of the psychic tension, perhaps, of holding this heightened awareness, we may be inspired to make a new choice or enact a subtle adjustment that allows something major to release and loosen. So I will get into our week's transits in more detail after a few announcements. I'm going to share my screen for that. One is that you can get on my mailing list. And this is a great way to stay in touch, find out when my astrology reading bookings open, um, get in the know about my courses, um, and receive these weekly forecasts to your inbox every week in written form with the link to the YouTube as well. You may be listening to this forecast on Magic of the Spheres podcast, and you can you know, check out the show notes um, or the, the YouTube notes for the link to the mailing list. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. I love to hang out there, go on stories, um, post things that I don't share here necessarily. So go find me there. The Evolutionary Astrology Intensive that I'm teaching is coming up. This will be the ninth run of the course. It's um, several months long and we go deep into the planetary archetypes, the signs, aspects and aspects theory um, and Pluto and the lunar nodes and learn how to read the natal chart from the perspective of the soul as this being who reincarnates and inhabits multiple lives to um, play out certain lessons. Right. So when I was talking earlier about those deep patterns that we're in, that's not just this lifetime, you know, we can come in here with some stuff from prior lifetimes and we're working through it again. So I found that this uh, wisdom school, this kind of astrology is a really penetrating lens into some of our deepest life materials, seeing it in a much larger multi-lifetime context. Um, and then finding out how to work with that in the now, in this lifetime, um, how to be with this content in a way that's actually applicable. Um, evolutionary astrology as a type of astrology has helped me um, find so much like mental and emotional and spiritual wellness. Um, it's helped me kind of find some insight about some of my deeper challenges um, and then a creative outlet for, for working with those challenges in different ways. Um, and people who come through this program feel like this kind of world opening or universe opening quality because we're getting into, you know, the mystery teachings or the deeper aspects of all the signs. We're also traveling to the outer planets, which represent things that are kind of beyond the known, like the transpersonal realm that Uranus, Neptune and Pluto relate to. 
Um, so the content is provocative and stirring and really stimulating, right? And then the way that it helps us contemplate ourselves and tell our own story um, and explore our development um, is just invaluable. So you can learn more about this course and read student testimonials on the course page, which is linked. Um, you know, if you're thinking about it, don't wait till the last minute to sign up. Um, when you sign up, I'll send you the syllabus with the reading list and you can get started on some of the things. And um, if you are, you know, considering the course and you want to check in, like if you have any questions about it around like how it may relate to your process personally, feel free to reach out to me, Sabrina at monarchastrology.com and talk to me. Um, part of this course is that, you know, there's pre-recorded content, but we meet every week um, and I'm available to talk with students. Um, I learned astrology when I first started, you know, transitioning from being a self-taught uh, hobbyist kind of astrologer to like studying formally. Um, I was able to talk to my teacher one-on-one um, -on -one, and that really meant a lot to me. Um, so in that kind of spirit of where I come from in my lineage of studying astrology, um, I like to converse with you. I like to be available in that way and also create a community where you have um, friends and like fellow travelers uh, in the realm of astrology to build connections with um, and speak this language with. So learn more about it, read student testimonials on the course page, and you can enroll there as well. So let's get into our week. Oh, and one other thing. Um, I am doing a inner wealth psyche as treasure meditation on September 17th at 5 p.m. Pacific. The link to sign up for that is also in the notes. Um, I love visualization and I've been practicing it intuitively um, for as long as I can remember, like as a kid falling asleep at night, uh, visualizing things. Um, and the deeper I got into studying the outer planets and studying, you know, manifestation and karma and these kind of um, spiritual principles, I realized that visualization is a really important tool, not just in emotional wellness um, and manifesting and all of that, but it's, um, it's kind of like a gardening for the psyche, like you're building beautiful things and palaces in your inner eye. Um, and that actually changes your life as within, so without. So visualization as a practice is something that I wanted to share uh, by creating some more guided experiences. And the theme for this one is about inner wealth. So the idea that there's this uh, palace of like riches inside of us, that psyche is inherently valuable. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can sign up. Um, it will be live, but I will be recording it. So if you can't make it live, you can still sign up and receive the recording after. Okay, and here's our week in a moment. September 16th, 2021. The sun in 24 degrees of Virgo will try and Pluto retrograde in 24 degrees of Capricorn at 6.53 a.m. Pacific. So we have the sun and Pluto harmonizing. The trine is an easeful harmonic aspect in earth signs. And this could speak to the creative potency of mundane transformations, shifting things in the home, signing up for an event or making a time-based commitment, you know, putting it on your calendar. It's real. 
uh, crafting something by hand, setting up a campsite or fire, gardening, working with a particularly special object or tool. So we're thinking kind of like earthy, but powerful. Not that earth isn't powerful innately, right? But we're feeling that um, potency of the physical realm. It's like our attention and creative potency is being drawn and collected downward into some kind of embodiment or form. Though these embodied or concrete acts may be mundane or even basic, dare I say, uh, the quality of attention in the acts is felt in the final form. Consider the aura of a meal someone cooks for you or that you cooked with love. Craft turned into aura. The creative potency was transmitted. Neglect or avoidance also contains an aura. Like, uh, I'm not sure actually how to pronounce this word because I, I think I've only seen it written. Um, miasma, miasma. I'm going to go with miasma. Uh, miasma defined as an oppressive or unpleasant atmosphere which surrounds or emanates something. Some kind of grotesque vapor, right? Um, it is possible for neglect to compound miasma. Something suddenly benign or innocuous, like it's just fine, it's just basic, um, becomes more terrible seeming the more it builds up the aura of neglect, right? So this actually even happens in terms of um, intimacy with ourselves, right? Like innately, uh, we're, we're joy, we're bliss. Uh, I think so at least, <laughs> but the, any kind of compounded neglect, like we haven't checked in with ourselves, we haven't taken the time to be with ourselves. Then when we go within and we look at ourselves, it's like, there's some cobwebs in there and it feels a little bit scary, or there's some, there's some deep feelings that are unprocessed in there. And it's not that our inner world is innately that scary. It's just that if we haven't looked at it for a long time, there can be that kind of pain of neglect. So similarly, this can happen with, um, you know, just think about like a space in your house. If it's um, a space that collects, you know, like a lot of water and gunk and mold and stuff like that. It's like if it was taken care of at a more frequent interval, it would just be fine. Uh, but you leave it alone for long enough and it starts to get stinky and starts to attract bugs. And it, it builds this kind of vaporous, grotesque quality that is... Uh, part of the aura of neglect. So for our purposes with sun Pluto, um, and so we're thinking about the sun, you know, as this radiant quality and Pluto as like this deep potency. And so it's like the power or it's also the, um, the kind of putrid quality of neglect. Uh, so either like creative potency or putrid neglect is kind of the binary that I'm thinking of here. Um, so for our purposes, it's like we're granted the opportunity to do energy work with this transit, either through confronting sites of neglect in our lives and tending to it, um, pouring our attention lovingly into a craft or task, um, or some combination of both, right? And a lot of things 
um, aren't so black and white or simple in terms of like, oh, this is a beautiful part of my life and this is a neglected part of my life. Like um, even just thinking about our our whole full body relationship with ourselves or with life, it's like there's the uh, beautiful and the ugly. Um, but if we've been preferential and like really chosen some places and really neglected other places, um, this could be something to think about in terms of um, just giving love or tending to places that need it. And then Venus in seven degrees of Scorpio will square Saturn retrograde in seven degrees of Aquarius at 11, 15 PM Pacific. So this is the same day on September 16th. So shadow Scorpio and responsibility Saturn are intricately connected. Shadow work allows us to reclaim personal power. So away from leaking it, spilling it out, um, projecting it, or being in like unnecessary victim consciousness. Or victim consciousness in general. And with truer access to our own power, we gain the capacity to wield that power and live from that place of power. So I'll leave this again, actually, in the notes. It's an article about the victim triangle. So victim consciousness is a triad of archetypes that includes the victim, the rescuer, and the persecutor. And the um, this article is pretty deep. It's, um, it's the kind of thing where you read it and you, you see yourself in it because most humans play out the victim triangle at some point in their lives. And even if you're aware of it, it keeps coming up. It's a natural kind of psychological Bermuda triangle that we can get stuck in. But the, the way out of the victim triangle as proposed by this author, I believe it's Lynn Forrest, um, but I'll leave the link in the notes, uh, is responsibility that actually through taking deep responsibility for ourselves, for our lives, like that's kind of the medicine. Um, because when we're in victim consciousness, we believe we're powerless. When we're in that kind of persecutory space, we want, you know, to like give someone what they deserve because they're so bad and like, we need to punish them. And when we're in rescuer, you know, we are, um, seeking to find a sense of personal importance from helping another person who maybe doesn't even want that help. Right. So finding out kind of like when we're in that state of angst or powerlessness or feeling victimized, where's the site of responsibility and power that we can gain access with. And from there gain more agency and choice in this life. So taking the deepest level of responsibility for our lives at a soul level is to aspire toward or be in a state of excellence. We are not wasting our life in woe is me pettiness. We're expecting others or the world to change for us to feel okay. This is not to say it's wrong to feel the pain states of feeling victimized by ourselves or by life. Just that we truly need tools for moving that energy if we do not wish to live stagnant and disempowered lives. And so there's many tools, right? There's modalities, there's psychology, there's energy work, there's acupuncture, there's existential kink, there's astrology. Like all of these tools, all of these modalities um, 
are designed to kind of help us be empowered or like find a connection to our personal power and access it um, and kind of overcome the stagnancies or blockages um, that come up in an untended psyche or in a conditioned psyche. Right? Like you can even move a lot of energy just by shaking your whole body and stomping or having a tantrum. Like, you know, like there's a, a quality with Scorpio of like deep cathartic feelings that, you know, can get stuck and held onto and create all kinds of distortions, or they can like really move um, and be kind of like a shamanic gateway um, into the next moment or the next evolution of ourselves. So Pluto has long been my favorite guide into shadow work. It's why I teach a Pluto-based astrology and I just love this school of astrology so much. I love Pluto Volume 1 by Jeffrey Wolf Green. It has expanded my imagination of how Pluto complexes can play out across the houses and signs and archetypes. More recently, Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott has become a cherished fave. Um, which by no coincidence, the book Existential Kink talks about the astrological Pluto in the first chapter. My heart was just, <laughs> I'm just taken. Um, exploring the concept that we unconsciously or secretly um, are getting off to the things that we hate, um, how we love to hate them, segues into reclaiming our power to transform the situation at hand. So, I mean, complaining is a good example um, because sometimes energetically you can feel into yourself or the way that others are complaining. It's like there's this kind of like getting off to the high of like talking shit, you know, and if the addiction to complaining, the addiction to being in that problem and getting off from it is stronger than the will to transform the situation or connect to a deeper truth, um, that's a form of stagnancy, right? Or a form of mediocrity, to be quite honest. And so working with uh, shadow work would be even getting to the place where you can acknowledge like, oh, I love this situation that I say that I hate. I can feel myself. I'm like, I have all this high sensation and charge and I'm kind of getting off to talking about it. So can I expand that, go fully into it, see what the fuck I'm getting out of the situation, right? Why I'm hooked into it, why I'm drawn, why I'm compelled, what part of me is getting wrapped up, right? And then from that awareness, start to kind of loosen that and move that energy. But if we are not um, at the place to admit, you know, it's like, no, I hate that thing. I'm not like, I don't like that. Uh, I'm not into this. I'm not hooked into that. Then, then we don't have that responsibility needed to start that process of transformation. So Venus Saturn, Venus Saturn um, can relate to the facilitation of deep, trustworthy, like solid love, right? Love that takes time. Um, it can also be the kind of closed heart or the sense of the gated heart, the guarded heart. So when we're working with Venus Saturn, it's like there can be a high bar. There's like high standards. Um, and 
it's a, it's an interesting kind of balance or place to feel into if our particular standards are really just ways to avoid vulnerability or it's the deepest, truest honoring of ourselves. So what is it like to have standards and an open heart at the same time? But Venus Saturn appreciates intimacy, right? Um, but it just demands it to be a higher quality. And with Venus and Scorpio, we're especially thinking like the depths of Venus. So intimacy. Um, at a deeper level, Venus Saturn is about the integrity we have with our values. And living our lives in integrity can challenge us to learn how not to be rigid or closed off, but how to actually in a committed way tend to the energies or activities that give us and others the most life, you know, so taking responsibility for your talent, for your power, for your life force uh, by feeding it. And not in an addictive way, right? There's a difference between feeding um, in a compulsive addictive way and like really nourishing. Um, And that's even kind of like a pattern that we may cycle through Uh, unravel and kind of work out in ourselves. In the key of Scorpio and Aquarius, part of integrity with this transit is becoming increasingly lucid about our shadow. And from this lucidity, gain more access to choice. Right? Perception, vision gives us more choice. It raises the bar of how we participate in relationship because we move away from enacting unconscious patterns as we unveil them cyclically. We don't, this work doesn't end, right? As long as we're human. Um, And we come to our relations from a place of choice as opposed to compulsion, addiction, which is more extractive and not as vulnerable. So an example that I can share is like one of my, I think hooks that astrology helped me see was like a need to be believed. Like I have some unusual ideas, I think, um, in a unique way. And if I'm not claiming and kind of like owning that and I'm projecting that onto other people, then I'm so sensitive if to people, if people understand me or believe me. Um, and that enacts a kind of like, power dynamic around how I'm perceived or do people get me, you know, versus what it's like to see and get myself um, and then interact with my ideas from a place of offering them, not from a place of needing to be validated immediately by certain specific people, for example. Right. And this can also think about like, if you're using other people to validate you, like you just want to be liked. And so is it, is that relating to others a little bit less true if you're feeling so dependent on their response to you? You know, not that we aren't affected, not that we aren't vulnerable, not that we don't want uh, to be seen or to be cared for or to be loved or any of that. Um, But if our need is is a loud thing inside of us. And it's having us relate to others from a more extractive rather than generative place. That would be something to account for um, and start to, to work with. Seeking greater integrity in our relationships need not uh, be just about how the other person shows up 
It has so much to do with how we are in touch with ourselves, how we know our desires and needs and cultivate our capacity to communicate them and how we stay in touch with ourselves as opposed to abandoning ourselves in the name of connection so we can bring our full selves into our relationships, right? So this may be also a deeper examination of what are boundaries in relationship, Venus, Saturn, Um, boundaries, not as a way to create a wall, not as a way to punish other people, like, uh, but an awareness of what it is we stand for, what we desire, where our range is in terms of what we don't accept and what kinds of actions we will take, uh, to remove ourselves from a situation that isn't right for us. So it's not really about controlling the other person's behavior, but it's about an agreement, right? Of like, this is what I'm available for. This is what I'm not available for. And if the situation turns into what I'm not available for, this is how I will remove myself. Um, And so, of course, within boundaries, um, there's a need for sovereignty of all the parties involved, right? If there's a sense of we are molding ourselves or someone else is molding themselves to meet, you know, the boundaries that we've set up, there's a loss of sovereignty and there's a sense of um, addiction that's coming in instead where it's like, um, we've lost touch with ourselves. So in terms of thinking about this from a place of integrity, it's like really knowing what you stand for and living in alignment with that. And that's kind of where we have the most power. Um, It's not really about telling other people what to do or managing how other people behave. Um, There's kind of a leaning into letting other people be sovereign. And feeling into the like the truth or the resonance of the connection and moving from that place of truth. Um, But that requires a lot of like personal knowledge and personal embodiment um, and being in touch with our own values and being able to, to be with those. And of course, that's a journey. Like getting there involves a lot of um, experimentation and experiences and learning, right? Um, and so how powerful is it to take personal responsibility for all of these learnings to see where it is, you know, if we're in relationships that didn't work out for us, of course, we can examine the behaviors in another person that we didn't like. Um, but it's also about us, like how we were, um, available for that. Right. Um, and so when it comes to taking responsibility for, you know, creating the most empowered kind of love and relatedness in our lives, it's feeling into our own boundaries around what we're available for and not, um, and what parts of us, you know, are still hooked into the, the shadow or the kind of, um, drama dynamics or the toxic dynamics, right. That we don't actually like or want, uh, but we still have this, deeper availability for. And so like, that's the deep, deep kind of shadow work, boundary work stuff that this Venus and Scorpio square Saturn and Aquarius transit could be kicking up. 
Another way this transit could show itself to us is through intense dislike or aversion of something in ourselves or others, you know, in the context as well of Venus being in Scorpio and Mars being in Libra. So we have this uh, mutual reception between Venus and Mars that I explored last week. So aversion has been coming up. Um, but in terms of looking at this from a shadow work perspective, we're missing the point if we stay in a place of separation about it. Like that energy is that person, not me. If there's a charge or an intense emotional reaction, it is activating a part of us, right? It's triggering us. Um, and that's something to be curious about, a doorway to shadow. Venus and Scorpio can relate to deepening intimacy. And with this square to Saturn and Aquarius, generally, we may have some breakthroughs around intimacy that are truly innovative for us. There might be a conflict or something crunchy feeling, right? Like it's, it's not smooth. Like there's some crunchy, crunchy energy. Um, but the way we lean in and work with it may prove revelatory, you know, and may actually deepen and strengthen, you know, the bond Venus Saturn has that kind of, um, it can be like the severance, like the cutting, um, of connection. And it can be like leaning into the obstacle together at the bond growing even stronger as a result. Um, and so of course the tools, the kind of communication skills, anything that we invest in, you know, to learn uh, relationship at a deeper level than perhaps what we've inherited from our family of origin or the culture, you know, cause our, our culture has issues and that gets put into our families and like we live that out. Um, so the kind of innovative work of changing the patterns and learning different or better skills for relationship and applying that um, is deep work that offers some breakthroughs. September 20th, we have uh, Mercury in 23 degrees of Libra, trine Jupiter, retrograde in 23 degrees of Aquarius at 3.53 p.m. Pacific. And just around an hour later, the full moon will uh, exact in 28 degrees of Pisces at 4.55 p.m. Pacific. So we have the the traditional rulers of Virgo and Pisces. So Mercury for Virgo and Jupiter for Pisces, modern ruler being Neptune for Pisces. Um, these traditional rulers of Virgo and Pisces, sun and Virgo, moon and Pisces, opposite full moon, Mercury and Jupiter are trying. They're in this beautiful harmonic aspect um, at this peak Pisces full moon moment. So one spiritual opportunity of this lunation uh, is to have a deeper sense of the interconnected fabric between everything, how all the details are fractal visions of the whole. Like Mercury is our detail, you know, perception, our capacity to uh, translate things between realms and be clever and make connections. And Jupiter is this like big overarching picture. Like there's a kind of coherence or like a philosophical vision or a worldview. And so when we have Mercury and Jupiter coming together, it can be a sense of, um, really feeling the wholeness and the details or feeling like the larger philosophical connection between things, which can be a very spiritual experience to see how, um, for example, um, part of why I love forecasting or doing chart readings is that the same kind of things come up. Like I'll be having conversations with 
uh, 10 people over the span of a week, for example, who are talking about kind of similar things. And it's like the fabric of the cosmos is here. It's showing itself and it's showing itself through all these kind of unique situations that have the same, you know, coherent quality. And that just creates a sense of, um, like spiritual bliss <laughs> to feel that kind of connection between things. Right. And if we have a worldview, which you probably don't, if you're here listening to an astrology forecast, uh, but if there's a worldview that things are just chaotic and random and not inherently meaningful, then it can be shocking to the system to experience synchronicity um, because it implies that there's a oneness um, or that we live in an ensouled cosmos or that everything's interconnected. So Virgo is analytical and Pisces is fantastical. The axis here speaks to the way that our faculty for analysis and forming conclusions uh, is truly more nebulous or cosmic than we might imagine it to be as though it were strictly logical. Our logic is in relationship with a greater perspective, whether or not we are cognizant of that. The same concrete details are analyzed differently by different individuals, say one person with a scientific materialist worldview and another person with an animist or shamanic worldview. It's like we can travel into different worlds without moving physical location when we entertain a different paradigm of thought, right? So this as I'm going to get into this full moon in Pisces, we're going to get a little bit heady, but I'll try to kind of like backtrack and unfold things as we go along. Um, but basically what I'm pointing to here is that logic as like, you know, dry or like, you know, cut and dry factual as it may seem, there's a way that it actually is part of the kind of like creative forces of nature. So I practice this a lot in terms of mindset work, right? Where it's like, if we have a deep change in our thoughts, not just the surface thoughts, but like a deeper uh, psychic undercurrent, the things we believe and think about, we actually experience a change in our physical reality around us, right? Or what we choose to focus on grows um, like there's a, a kind of creative pulse in the universe that plays with our thought forms. Um, and so there's something inherently mystical about thought and logic, even though normally there's this polarity between Virgo and Pisces, the polarities, you know, speak to two sides of the same coin. So when it comes to the details, right, that Virgo speaks to, there's also a hole that holds them. And the mind, um, the mental faculty has been elevated in many philosophical or mystical traditions. I think, therefore I am, Kant. At once, this can give too much importance to the mind and support the mind-body split. Um, or approve of, you know, seed culturally, this mental supremacy or human supremacy over nature, 
Like I can manipulate things with my mind. My mind is the ultimate consciousness exists in my mind. Everything around me is just material to manipulate, right? Like there's a very um, uh, intense kind of lineage uh, with that. In other contexts, the mystical understanding of mind opens up the opportunity to have a fluid or suggestible enough consciousness that we can change our mental precepts, anticipate different realities, change our beliefs, and experience changes in the 3D matrix of reality itself. So this can be a little bit less about manipulating things for our benefit egoically and more about being in relationality, like seeing how if I change the ecosystem in my brain or change the ecosystem in my thought forms, um, how will reality reflect differently? Like there's, um, there's a responsiveness and there's a kind of relationality that's set up there. We're allowing, you know, our experiences, the things that we encounter in the world to impress us and, you know, work with us, um, and to have changes in mind based on our, our lived experiences, you know, as opposed to forcing our experiences to fit into narrow confines and boxes we've already created and are attached to. So anyone who's too rigidly attached to their mind or thoughts, uh, mental concepts, it's harder to play with these reality changing experiments with much ease from that place, uh, because then, you know, you'd be playing out the same mental programs and attracting a reality that reinforces those beliefs. It takes openness and willingness to change, to play the game. And we're looking at Virgo Pisces, which are mutable science, which is all about, you know, change and fluidity. So some miracles that this lunation may have to offer, because we're looking at grace, you know, miracles like a Pisces phenomenon. Um, some miracles can be changes of mind, you know, in the course of miracles, for example, a basic precept um, is that a miracle is the change um, of consciousness from fear to love. Like that is what constitutes a miracle. There's a change of mind involved in that. That could also happen in the body, right? Like when we do a deep kind of like restorative somatic work or connecting to our soma where we um, develop kind of like trust uh, and love internally in places that we were um, in fear in our bodies. Um, but some miracles with this lunation, having these changes of mind, realizing that some of our most bitter or disenchanted thoughts have been illusions and that they've been perpetuated and given life by any evidence we have collected to match these precepts, such as the way we carry ourselves in a room when we believe no one likes me, right? And then the room matches that belief because being in that belief creates feelings um, and those feelings create actions. And like, we're kind of in the web or in the paradigm of that kind of lack of confidence or fear of not being liked. And that comes out in our form and kind of tells that story, right? So to have the change of mind and then to enact and participate with the world from that different mindset, it does actually create a different reality. Um, and it shows us kind of how fluid and flexible and playful reality can actually be. 
There are always deeper layers of knots that can be unraveled in the mind. And what better lunation than a full moon in Pisces conjunct Neptune to offer these healing waters of dissolving and disillusion. So where your mind is knotted in worry, separation, anxiety, etc., consider the greater story and narrative um, that these thoughts are attached to. And are you willing to, to loosen that, to let it go? A Pisces full moon is a beautiful time for healing and softening the mind. We're giving life to more supportive and beautiful thought forms that reflect a deeper um, awareness of love and benevolence in the universe. One of my favorite prayers when I'm caught up in the height of anxiety, right? Like anxiety is a, a lot of tension in the body that can be um, like an active moment for change, really. Um, so I'm caught up in the height of an anxiety. I can see my pattern. I see the story that I'm telling. Um, one thing I like to do in this space is to ask God if there's another way to literally open the mind and personal ego to divine intervention, um, to see something previously unseen, to make contact with a new channel of awareness. So here, you know, our Virgo mind potentially uh, without the integration of Pisces is like trying to like logically figure things out based on what we can see, like what's already here, what's already present, tactile, Virgo's an earth sign. And when we're in that, we're trying to configure everything and figure everything out with the mind to just like open that channel up to, well, what unseen information, what divine guidance is there for me in this situation? And there's a certain levity and I think openness that can offer where it's like, we're not trying so hard to have the answer or the mental concept. We're just saying, what if I don't know? Like, what if there's something else to the story? And then we're making space in our vessel. There's like a cup of knowledge ready to receive those um, kind of magical perceptions uh, that can re-enchant us um, or bring us back to a sense of love and peace, um, transforming fear to love. So that is my... Um, take on the transits, a transmission on the transits for this week. I forgot to mention uh, at the beginning, but it's always super helpful. If you like this video, if you leave a comment, let me know what you're thinking. I love to hear from you and what's landing for you. So please tell me kind of what's going on and what landed for you. Uh, subscribe to my channel, hit the notification bell to receive more um, or receive updates when videos come out. If you're listening on Magic of the Spheres podcast, do subscribe to this podcast. Um, and I'll see you soon. I love you all so much. Have a beautiful full moon.